Hello, and welcome to the Theology Gaming Podcast. My name is Zachary Oliver, for the second time, because we totally messed up recording it the first time. Totally. Totally. Totes. Totes Totes. fail. This is supposed to be the remaster reboot of the Theology Gaming Podcast, but unfortunately, because I'm dumb and Brandon is sarcastic, we messed it up. Yeah, this is the day one patch version now. This is the day one patch version. We're re-recording the first half of the podcast for your enjoyment and entertainment. And so I will do this intro. Hello, I'm Zachary Oliver of Theology Gaming Podcast. I'm the owner and proprietor of the Theology Gaming blog, and I guess I'm the guy who's in charge of the Theology Gaming group. As yes. And, and some people like me and some people don't. That's fine. I like everybody. Well, that's good. <laughs> I mean, so, can't really go wrong there. No. Okay, so what did we talk about previously? Previously, on our podcast we were doing um i talked about the history of the theology gaming website yes give us a rundown of how theology gaming came to fruition theology gaming came to fruition as a result of my boston university school of theology education in which i had decided that if i didn't get accepted to a bunch of different schools i was not going to go into higher education so i have a master's degree in theological studies which you may or may not know i'm zachary oliver say that name again so you don't forget (laughs) Uh, and I was like I really don't like academic studies but I like reading about this stuff and I said why not start my own website talking about theology and my other best favorite subject video games And so theology gaming came to be on June 4th 2012 and that was kind of my personal blog until a host of different people came in and we started this theology gaming project i guess you could call it now because it's now extended itself from a website into a podcast and then a facebook group where we talk about stuff and now kind of the facebook group is the center piece of everything because the podcast kind of um i wouldn't say crashed and burned it was more like everybody got busy it stalled out yeah it stalled out Uh, because everyone was doing hashtag adulting Yes, and no one likes to hashtag adult. Nah, nah, not really. Especially when you're a person who likes to play video games all the time. Yes, but we have responsibilities, and we probably should do those responsibilities. Yeah, like, you know, me getting an accounting degree, so now I have three degrees, and I hope I get my certified professional accounting certification. I'm one test down, i got three more to go. Hopefully that'll happen. Yes. (laughs) But it makes it very hard to write stuff at the same time. And I had a kid which means that you don't make any plans outside of 30 minutes. Yeah, and kid. Yeah. So that makes uh, podcasts very hard. Yes. So school, kids, life, everything happened, and we found it really hard to make time to be doing everything. And Theology Gaming basically kind of fell by the wayside, at least the website portion did, but the the group. The group's fine. The group is um, something that I can actually do and actually not be prevented from doing because I'm doing other stuff. So yeah. That's why that ended up being the default. Yeah. It's easier to write a post and interact with people on there than it is to write a 1,500 or 3,000 word essay. Yeah, or in my case, like 10,000 word Yes, essays. multiple 10,000 words. Yeah, which, uh, and at that point I was just so exhausted from writing about literally everything I could possibly imagine that I said to myself, you know, I can't like do this forever. I'm just going to run out of topics. And uh, same thing happened with the podcast. We just kind of ran out of topics. Yes. And we started talking about discernment like every two episodes. <laughs> because that's all anybody usually asks about. Yes. Quick recap summary. Discernment is usually what anybody talks about when you're in Christian circles talking about media. Any form of media, mostly. The first question isn't whether the thing in itself is interesting or not. It's more about whether or not I should uh, play, read, watch the thing in question. Which, to me, at least, is kind of like the least interesting question you can ask about media. And that seems to be the one that, you know, us Christians focus on the most. Is what should we or shouldn't we be doing? Yeah, and that's why a lot of the theology gaming writings really don't talk about that because uh, I feel like it's not interesting to me. <laughs> yeah. It might and be interesting I, to some people but not to me. And I think whenever it did it was always like if you felt you shouldn't play a game 
don't play it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's, that's kind of weird, right? That that's the most important thing. Yeah, kind of, but I think it's because people want there to be more to it. Yeah, or they want a definite answer to a very uh, ambiguous gray area. It's, you know, it's like why people sometimes not really question, but when you look at, you know, believing in Jesus and being like, you know, oh, well, if you believe in him, all your sins are forgiven and blah, blah. People are like, that's it. Or you like, uh, oh, I, you know, I don't want to offend God, right? So I don't want to do X or Y, right? Yeah. I, I think, you know, new Christians usually do this, right? They they kind of make these boundaries around the things that they don't want to do. Or yeah. You kind of start cutting yourself off and maybe sometimes from a little... Things. Yeah. And you might be a little too quick to react, but it's just because you're unsure. You don't know. Yeah. And no, that's a good thing to be, though. Like, I yeah. understand that. And that's the thing. And like... You just sit there. Sometimes you think, you know, oh, all I have to do is believe in Jesus and I'm safe. Okay, cool. And then sometimes you're like, no, there's got to be more to this. There's there's more to something. Yeah. You know, am I, doing I got something like, wrong? Yeah. Like, what do I have to be doing? I have to be doing so much more because there's got to be more than just doing this, this, and this. Yeah. As a person who's been a Christian since, like, before I honestly can remember, <laughs> I, I really haven't had that experience. I think I've discussed this on this podcast before, but... Yeah, because you've grown up in it. Yeah, like, if I played Mortal Kombat when I was, like, mm. in early ages, like I was seven, six or seven years old. Like, doesn't affect me yeah. very much. Also, I'm going to toss an asterisk out. Asterisk. Yeah. Don't, like, don't come after me, people, for just saying, like, all you have to do is believe in Jesus, because I know sometimes <laughs> that even starts... <laughs> Conversation. I'm just using that as an example. Example. All you have to do is believe in Jesus. That means yeah. you're Protestant. Yeah. I have, yeah. Then you can just go do whatever you want, right? Yeah. Yeah. You can just do whatever you want. As long as you, as long as you believe, it's okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah I believe. <laughs> so no, don't come after me. I'm just saying. Yes. That's example. not. Yes. Example. Example. So. And then sometimes people just want to say like. Yeah, well, you're doing the bad thing, which also yes. isn't helpful. And I will say, I, uh, I still struggle with discernment. I still ask those questions of whether or not I should or should be playing. And sometimes I do think that's healthy because you should probably every now and then think about why do I want to play a certain game or why am I? Yeah. Like and some other example, times you can just shut that off. <laughs> yeah, like for example, you told me like everyone says The Witcher 3 is great. Yes. Everybody likes The Witcher 3. Yes. Except you. <laughs> Except me. <laughs> and probably me. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you don't really like Western RPGs too terribly much, so. Yeah, but I I think I own it. I think you do. I think I do. Either I that just or the, haven't played it yet. Either that or the first or second ones. Oh, the first one. I, I tried my best. I tried my best to play it. It's just, it's way too yeah. janky CRPG for me. Yeah. And... I am not going to look down at anyone who likes the games, and there are many, many fine people who like the games, and many fine Christians who like the games and can draw some good from it. To me, it made me feel gross. Made me feel gross spiritually, and just, just gross, and just ugh. Didn't want to do it, and it's weird because of like all the things. And this is where it gets to be. If you start talking like this, then people call you out, and be like, "But you'll play so and so." Yeah, like, like you play you, Bloodborne, man. Yeah, you won't play The Witcher, but you'll play like Dark Souls. You know, blah blah. What's the difference? I mean, well, they're both dark fantasy, technically. They are. I mean, my biggest thing. I'll just come out and say what I found. What I did not like about The Witcher Three is I felt the magic and that like stuff that was happening in that game felt too close to being some sort of realism. To me, which made me made it feel gross. Huh. Like there's the one part, like you go to see this old man. This is like in the beginning of the game, so it's not too spoilery. Okay. And I think you go to him and you, you're just like trying to help you out and find something. And he either draws a pentagram or some sort of circle on the floor and slaughters an animal to talk to the dead <laughs> and something like that. And it's like that's getting a little gross. Yeah. And, and you also have additional context because as 
people may or may not know, Brandon is what we would call a metalhead. Yes. So, Brandon is quite familiar with uh, brands of metal that are kind of into the whole... Uh, occult. Know, and... Occult, uh, you know, generic satanic imagery sort of thing. So Yes. And I know some of this stuff is just taken as out of context, and it's just used as a way to convey something. Well, or like token rebellion sort of stuff. Yeah. And... You know, when it comes to magic in games, when it comes to a lot of things in games, I've, I've grown over the years from being in theology gaming and just from talking to other Christians. And I feel a lot of things like when you make a story, a lot of the stuff that's in these stories is also there because it's easy to, for people to make a connection by the images that you're drawing or showing people. Like you can show someone has a magic wand and you could, you know, associate them with a the wizard. There may not be anything to that one, but it's just like, how do we convey someone's a wizard? Yeah, or, like, or it's just there to be a cool gameplay mechanic. Yeah, and that's what it is. It's easy, you know, wizards, witches, all these stuff. They fall into tropes everywhere you go. I mean, or, you know, if we want to talk about mediums, like, you know, fortune tellers, you know, mysticism, all that stuff. An easy, an easy way to figure out what you need to do in a game is have a fortune teller in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because in Le- those universes, right, it works. Yeah. Legend of Zelda works. I mean, in a couple of those. If you don't know what to do, you go speak to the fortune teller. Yeah, actually, you're right. And it, t- and it tells you where to go. Yeah, the little crystal ball. Yeah. Now, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because, you know, they're use- it's an easy way for them to use this this well-known stereotype mechanic type, you know, people can draw this assumption, know what they're seeing and it makes sense to them. Yeah. They're like, uh, types, but it's yeah. like the, the thing is right. And this, this part always has seemed to bother me. Right. So all this fantasy stuff in these video games, right? Oh, you're casting magic and stuff. Like this is a typical Christian criticism is like, Oh, like Bayonet is a witch, right? She summons yes. de- she has her powers are basically from like demons from hell or yeah. inferno, right? This is my <laughs> typical example anyway. Uh, we'll get into the other Bayonetta stuff. But uh the magic is in this story, right? Yeah. But um there are two authors who are allowed to use magic all the time. T- Tolkien and Lewis? O- always. They are allowed to use magic and all that stuff because they are Christian, I guess. <laughs> I well, never really understand this. I think some of it has to deal with of where the magic comes from and like what it exactly is. Yeah, the uh, intent. I can see that. Yeah, or That's... like where like Gandalf or whatever. No, I'm not. I don't want to like say too much because I don't want to back myself in the corner of like not knowing stuff. But <laughs> don't do that. Like you know. <laughs> I don't really know where Gandalf gets their powers from. He's a wizard and everything like that. And that's just a lot different. If it's just like this thing that's outside of like they have magic powers. Isn't he a wood sprite? Oh, man. You're getting into stuff that I don't really know. I am not a Tolkien. for this podcast. Like, like, I like Tolkien, but I'm not like well versed in the lore. Yeah. That much to like go into this. Yeah. But anyway, the point is, right? Yeah. They're using, you're using an external justification that's not in the actual book, text, whatever, to justify the fact that there's magic in the thing and that it's okay. But, you know, and the thing that makes it different from, like, say, Bayonetta is she makes a pact with demons. That's true. And gets stuff. So it's like she's getting her magic from this outside evil source, you know, the demons, blah, blah, where some people are born. Like, I think that's like one of the arguments in Harry Potter is there's humans and then there's wizards. Like the, the, the that's just like, they live, they live together. The, they're mixed. like wizards have this power and they don't, it's not like they get it from some outside source. Yeah. But you know, but Bane is sexy. So that's like, that's, that's the worst part of Bane. <laughs> not so much the magic for some reason. Yeah. Well, I guess it depends on who you talk to. Like the hurt, like the sexiness of Bayonetta doesn't bother me. I think mine is the whole packed with demons and yeah, no, stuff I, like that. I can see that. It's it's interesting that like different people use like different settings because they figure you're familiar with all this religious imagery and yeah. you'll like it'll give you kind of like context for cool things to happen. Yeah. Also, why you fight demons in video games anyway. 
if anyone even wants to get into it, there is an article out there about someone who worked on Bayonetta, and it's really it goes deeper than probably what you think about how uh, what is it the language of like the demons or whatever it is in the angels, I think too. Yeah, and the, the and the person actually talked about how they actually used uh, what was it like old Enochian like t- words and stuff like that. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, you can actually translate it. Yeah, so they actually like based it on some like weird stuff and got like influence from that. It's really weird. Yeah, and the the angel designs are actually meant to be more like the descriptions in the Bible than like most actual Renaissance art is. You know, they have this weird otherworldly look. Not normal. <laughs> See, I I've never really seen them make that judgment. Well, seriously, go like look up the uh, you'll look up the angel designs in Bayonetta. They are weird. They got faces in weird places, and anyway, anyway. But the point, besides, I'm gonna roll myself back here. Is, yeah. Uh, it's hard to judge something that fast, <laughs> and actually understand it, and not actually see the thing for the good that's in it, rather than just the bad. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't know. Are we in agreement that we live in a fallen world and? we make fallen products yeah and that's a lot of the stuff that we're going to see is going to have a lot of fallen pieces in it yeah and it's in the bible too it's like there's no sin in there it's like (laughs) i mean you know buddy what book you reading yeah and the other thing that i try to do is when you see things like okay we see all these you know fallen movies music books you know there's going to be fallen stuff created by fallen people all around the world. Cause that's what we all are. Yeah. But you know, God's truth can also find themselves into these things because God is at the very, you know, base of everything and sprouts from there. Yes. And I think in part, that's the angle where I th- theology gaming kind of takes its mission statement, so to speak. Right. This is like, what I wanted the group to be, right? The theology gaming community. We talk about things, we talk about video games, we talk about theology, but we don't try to immediately make a judgment call on a thing right yeah. off the, the bat, right? Book ju- being judged by cover. We want to actually just discuss things, whether you agree with it or not. The Healthy discussion. Yeah. Whether or not you agree with the thing in the piece of media or whether or not you agree with somebody's Christian denomination or personal beliefs. I don't know if everybody in the group is a Christian, but I assume most are. Yeah. And I know that we have had a couple here and there who weren't religious. Yeah. And sometimes it worked out and sometimes it did not. (laughs) Yeah. But many different beliefs, many different points of views. Yeah. Point being in a Christian group, right? you're kind of striving for unity. And in most groups, it's more about like looking at each other and kind of talking down and saying, no, you can't do that. (laughs) Yes. And in theology gaming, I think we want to foster an environment of discussion. And it happens a lot. (laughs) Yeah. And not debate. That's a pretty important point too. We can see in the, you know, in this podcast, right. We've talked about like a, a lot of pretty Controversial subjects, I think, in in Christian circles, right? Yeah. Magic and media, that sort of thing, right? But you and I, we talked about it. I don't know if we necessarily agree in everything. Yeah, I don't think we do. Yeah, but I didn't try to kill you. Yeah, you don't. (laughs) We're still friends. Yeah, we're still friends. I didn't try to physically, like, uh, berate you. (laughs) Yeah, we... For the bad things you said. Yeah, he's not mad at me because I don't like Bloodborne. No, I'm not mad at you, but I'm severely miffed yeah you're miffed <laughs> i also have not played bayonetta and don't plan on bayonetta and you're not upset for me Grr. but a lot of people are upset with me for playing bayonetta as it turns oh, out so that means more, more people are on my side then right yeah yeah no generally speaking yes people do not like bayonetta and uh as the person who wrote a bunch of articles about bayonetta and sung its praises as a pretty good video game uh, I've received a lot of emails from people and a lot of comments and a lot of people saying, well, you shouldn't recommend this or you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that or uh, you should really reevaluate your relationship with Jesus and that sort of thing. See, I don't even think I really remember you like outwardly recommending stuff. Well, on the, in the articles I do, but that's only if you like read them. 
Well, I don't remember. Uh, I guess I'd have to go back and read because I read a decent amount of outwardly just like re- like blind recommendation for everyone to go play. No, I just tell people I played through the game many times. This game is good. And if you like this sort of game, you might like it. Yes. <laughs> and if you don't like it, don't play it. And if you don't think you can handle whatever is in it, also, don't play it. Yeah. These are very simple solutions to com- seemingly complex problems. Yeah. And it's it's a hard issue to go about because when, like, you know, video games in general, it's most, or even just art in general, it's a very liberal medium. Yes. Like, very, very liberal. liberal and in terms of it's very free in terms of yeah. what it wants to depict. And it's getting more so that way as we yeah. go on. And a lot of gamers are, you know, are okay. You know, they're, they might have liberal t- tendencies too. Yeah. And they're really like, like, I don't so, care what's in it as long as it's interesting. And that's why, you know, theology gaming creates that kind of tension is because a lot of Christianity is still based in conservatism. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. So we're not when, talking in political categories here. Just, FBI, yeah, right. What's yeah, just, not, Let's let's make that distinction here. Yeah, but you know, more people will lean like being a conservative, more of a lifestyle with what they stuff. So when you combine that with a lot of games or anything that's more liberal, there's tension there. Yeah, there is. Which is why you get that feedback all the time about Bayonetta and everything is because you have Christian gamers who might be more conservative and they see this and they're like. I don't like it. Yeah, and it hits that wonderful cross section of things that uh, Christians don't like. Yeah, so <laughs> that's where you have the clash, and it happens. Yeah. It happens way more than just with Bayonetta. It could happen with any game because, if you want to be honest, we could make an argument for pretty much every single game. <laughs> yeah, like Pokemon. Yeah, Pocket <laughs> Demons. Yes, and they did that in my Christian school. I'm not even kidding. They literally banned Pokemon stuff. Man. Because they were the tools of the devil and all that jazz. Uh, we had someone, a guest speaker one time, say something about Harry Potter and passing in one of the sermons they were talking about. It was just like in a one sentence thing that I just was like, okay, whatever. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, okay, I, whatever. I, I, I get it, though, because they were talking about how they didn't need a well, something like a wizard or a wish to tell them, like, you know, something like a story because we have to buy. I don't know. I'm butchering it. and I don't want to discredit this person who. Yeah, no, no, don't. I understand. But, you know, it was like, you know, but I'm sitting there in church and I like Harry Potter, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Can you believe it? Yeah, I like Harry Potter. My wife likes Harry Potter. Her you know, grandma, her grandma had the Harry Potter movies and let the you know them watch as kids. And this is all people who have grown up in that church because I go to my wife's church when when I became Christian. So I started going to her church, and you know these are all people who have, like grown up and they, you know, they watch and read Harry Potter. Yeah, and that's you know this is what theology gaming is about. It's about talking about stuff. It's not about like. Telling people you're wrong, because otherwise yeah. nobody gets to talk about anything. Yeah, yeah, we're not going to get anywhere if we just yeah. tell people they're wrong or or I'm right. Yeah, and people have said to me before that like these are the only this is like the only group <laughs> where we can actually talk about these things, which is pretty crazy to me. Yeah, and we want to have these discussions. If you don't agree, go ahead, don't agree. Yeah, voice voice those concerns, let it out because. We want to have those discussions. Yeah, because we, we don't ban people for, like, saying things we don't like or, like, yeah. jump on them. And if we do, that's that's a different problem. That's, like, people we need to, like, ban. Yeah. <laughs> and, we can, and we can also learn from both sides. Like, someone could bring up a point on whether you disagree or agree with something that you might not have thought of before. And you might not have seen from, like, the way another person sees it. Yeah. And, and you can learn from that. It might not change your mind. But you can learn from that, and you can grow. Yeah. Widen your perspective. Yeah. We're not trying to change anyone's denomination. We're not trying to, like, we're not trying to do any of that. Yeah. And trust me, we all have very distinct opinions on a lot of things. Yes. Me and Zach, we have we have disagreements on theological points. More, yeah, like uh, tongues. 
Yes. <laughs> Ooh, boy. We That's could do a podcast about that. We yeah, we well, we we did a early morning stream during extra lives about it. Yes. And nobody was awake to actually watch it, but we did talk about it and in my delirium I think the topic came up. <laughs> yes. We kind of scratched the surface. I don't think we got too far into it. Yeah, well, because I was on like six Red Bulls at that yeah. point, so probably yeah. it didn't come out right. Because I, th- I think, I think we talked about how I go to a church that speaks in tongues, believes in the gifts of the spirit. Zach theologically doesn't believe in that, and uh, probably we we probably brought up the verse about how you know, and these things will cease yeah. and all that stuff. And, and kind of like uh, I think my opinion is more I don't know. Yeah, I'm like that about a lot of things now, but that's theology school for you. And I'm also the mind of be like, if God wants to talk to people, he can use any sort of way he wants to talk to people in many different things. Because this is, you know, God is also the person who made a donkey talk to someone. Yeah, but no, you're wrong. Oh, but <laughs> we don't yeah. want that necessary. And you know what? Some of us always have some. Some people have theological questions, and that's fine. Yeah, and. I'd say if you go through your life without questioning something, even if you believe in it, something's probably not right. Yes. Feel free to ask questions. That's theology gimme in a nutshell, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. If you have a question, ask. If you want to talk about something, talk about it. The only thing I want you to not do is either browbeat or offend somebody else for no particular reason. Yeah. Like rule number one, don't be a jerk. Don't be a jerk. How hard is this? <laughs> yeah. As far as the group is concerned, I've only banned like two people, maybe in the entire history of the group. And the group's been around for like five years. And as far as banning goes, I don't really ban people for a lot of things. I'm very hard to offend. I play violent video games. I have watched a lot of things. Nothing really offends me. Even discussions. Nothing really offends me anymore. I have a very dark sense of humor. I will freely admit this. Yeah. You love Tarantino movies. I like Tarantino movies. Yes. I haven't seen Pulp Fiction yet, but who knows? Uh, anyway. That, okay. That's that's a talk for a different day. That's a talk for a different day. But as far as like in the group goes, uh, if you're constantly causing people to like back off and then not talk, you are part of the problem. You're the person that doesn't let other people talk. And I have strong opinions about stuff, but I'm not about to destroy discussions or relationships or whatever just on the basis of my personal belief. So if you're a uh, repeat offender, you will find yourself on the receiving end of the ban hammer. And you don't want to be on the receiving end of the ban hammer. No, you don't. Because I strike when no one suspects. Because we talk about all this stuff. We, the moderators. The moderators being me. I am Zachary Oliver. Brandon Zamudo, M. Joshua Collar, Jeremy Smith, and Arshan Key. Uh, that's his Facebook name. I don't think that's his real. I don't know if it's Arshan or not. Just Sean. Sean's his yeah. name. <laughs> Sean's his name. <laughs> Just call him Sean. Yeah, show him Sean. Anyway, we're the moderators. We're here to help. If you have questions, you have problems with somebody, ask. Because we don't want things to stay as problems. If you're having a problem with somebody or if somebody is making it impossible for you to actually have discussions, or if you don't feel like dealing with this person, please tell us. We will help. That's what we're here for. <laughs> yes. And if it seems like we take maybe a little too long to do something, it's because sometimes we want to give people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And we want to try to have people work their things out. We don't want to be... There's a fine line between being too like strong and just going in there and killing conversations and stuff like that before anything can happen and not letting people work stuff out. But then we also don't want to take too long. Yeah. We're a group of weirdos. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> we don't, we also don't know if no one's saying anything. Yeah. Or to know, like to us, we know some people are antisocial. We know some people have like, don't know how to have discussions with people and hopefully they will learn how to have discussions with people. But Eventually, there has to be a point where you put your foot down and it's negatively affecting the group. And that's really the only time when I actually ban people. Yeah. And when they're banned, they're banned for life. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But uh, uh, anyway, that's, that's my policy. Just be nice. Talk to people. Don't insult them. The insult's not necessary. 
Yeah. And you can apologize too. It works. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't argue and debate and just throw sarcastic memes around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Memes. Oh, God. That's the worst. Like, like we, we love memes. We love gifts. Yeah. But not in an argument and debate. <laughs> yeah. You know, if there's one thing that I really don't like is when people, like, post GIFs and memes in the group. I don't know. It just bothers me. <laughs> All right. Well, it Give is a discussion go. group, right? Yeah. And I don't know. Those don't really lend themselves to discussions. That's, like, just people posting on the wall, and then you end up with a million of them, and then nobody talks about anything because they're all posting the, the meme or the video or whatever. It's like, that's not the point of the theology gaming group. Well, I'm going to go find a hot meme to drop in no, there. No, do not <laughs> drop the memes. They're too hot. I don't want it. I know. it's just, it's That's just a pet peeve of mine. It's not a band, quote unquote, but it's a discussion group. So discuss. If you want to post like an article or a link or whatever, fine. I'm, ha- I'm happy. If you want something that like, uh, you know, causes discussion, that's great. But memes and stuff usually don't. And responding that way in discussions also doesn't really help. I'm still finding a meme to drop in no, there. stop trying to drop the memes. Anyway, so we are, you know, I wouldn't say we're lax, but we like to foster discussion. Yes. And that's the reason why it's a closed group, too, because we've had issues in the past where people were having discussions about incendiary topics and they didn't want people to see it in public. And that's why we have that questionnaire in front of it. So if you're curious, that's why it's there. So we all have our own issues, the own things that we can't deal with. So we respect one another. I'll ask you, Zach, what do you want to see? You know, we've gone over kind of how theology gaming started, kind of what it was. What do you want it to be going forward? Now that we're looking at rebooting the podcast and maybe other things, what would you like to see? Well, uh, first of all, I want to know what exactly we should be talking about in these podcasts (laughs) because um, I honestly don't know. I think the problem was last time we covered a lot, a lot of things. And uh, after a while... We were retreading, as we said earlier, similar ground over and over again. But uh, really, I think we want more to answer questions that people like ask us. I can see that. Because if it's going to be a community thing, and the podcast really should be more integrated with the group as a whole, I would think, right? So more community-driven for like what they want as content instead of what we want to deliver? Yeah, because obviously I can come up with stuff that I want to talk about or listen to, right? That doesn't necessarily mean anybody else wants to do it, which is, you know, theology gaming was somewhat self-focused on me a lot of the time. And I'd rather it be something that's helpful for other people. And pretty much that could be anything. Like, if they want us to talk about a certain game, we could talk about a certain game. Yeah, if you want us to talk to certain people, sure, why not? Yeah, we'll look at making that happen. Or if you want, if they want a theological subject, we can make that happen too. We can make it happen. That's right. All for you. Yeah, right. That's how it should be. I imagine. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you go and look at some of the podcasts, I there's probably got to be like a ton of Dark Souls ones. <laughs> yeah, what the heck, man, with this Dark Souls thing? I know you like it, Brandon, but we got to th- stop here. <laughs> no, I still got to finish them all. No. Hey. There's other people playing them right now, too. I know, but Dark Souls comes up a lot. <laughs> it does. Okay, Dark Souls will be limited to 10 minutes of every podcast now. Yes, and I will stop talking about it. <laughs> you could talk about it, just like, hold your horses there. Yeah. Same way I talked about Bayonetta too much. I'm done. Well, you had your couple years of that. I'm spent. I own it four or five times. I'm good. I don't even know if I need to play it ever again in my life. But you own it, darn it. I own it, darn it. I got I mean, it on Switch. I got it on PC. I got it on Xbox 360. I got it on the Wii U. That's why we're going to call this the Remaster Podcast, because everything is getting remastered. Yeah. Getting even this podcast. Well, Remaster basically just, they re-release it, and then they charge you full price. Okay. Here's <laughs> here's, a, here's a weird random tangent, kind of. Ooh, noodling do, our way do, away. Do you remember... This was like one of one of the last podcasts because we did one. This was a New Year's one for Game of the Year 2016, and you and me went on a rant about the Nintendo Switch, <laughs> which I now own. 
Yeah, which you now own, and we were not too happy about it back then. Yeah. And now I think it's sweet. Yeah, now you love it. Yeah. It's great. So I will do my last Dark Souls thing since I'm limited to 10 minutes. Are you going to get the Switch version of Dark Souls and play on the go? I am. Oh man, I'm seriously considering it. If I was traveling somewhere, I probably would. See, but would you want to play at 30 frames a second and lower resolution? As it turns out, I played Hyrule Warriors for an entire two-week vacation and almost nothing else. And it ran at like 30 frames per second the entire time. Despite the fact the docked version plays at like 40 to 50 frames-ish. Yeah. So I'd say the answer to that is yes. I think Dark Souls even docked runs 30. Uh, That wouldn't surprise me. I think the Switch kind of makes that compromise between like high frame rate and uh, portability. Well, and as long as it's stable, because that's all anyone wanted from the game. They wanted it stable, and they didn't want any of the glitching things of like sliding through the world when you go down a ladder. Yeah, and I played it at 30 FPS on the original PC release, so. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't mind it at 30. No, I think the complaints between 30 and 60 frames isn't really that big of a deal. I, I think it's a big deal for certain games. I'm not sure if it's a big deal for every game. There's just something nice about being in 60 frames a second. Like once you get there. Yeah. And certain, it's like, it's just so much nicer. It's like the weird thing where I'm playing. I am Setsuna on switch and it runs only at 30. That's it. How is that on everything else? It runs at 60. And it looks like nice at 60 and it looks nice at 30. The 30 gives it a more weirdly cinematic quality, I guess. I know, I think an Ubisoft employee said that, right? They're like, uh, Assassin's Creed Unity runs in 30 frames per second because it gives it a more cinematic quality, which Hmm. isn't true, obviously. It just couldn't run it at 60. Weird. (laughs) Huh. But it looks, it's you know, it's not the kind of game where I care. Like, if I was playing, like, Bayonetta at 30, like, if you own the PS3 version, you know what this is. It doesn't feel right. It feels sluggish and weird. It's a game designed for 60 frames per second. Yeah, it's designed to be fast. Yeah, it's designed for double the reaction speed timing, right? But like, you know, like a JRPG, I don't care. I mean, Final Fantasy 15s and 30 FPS the whole time, it feels fine. Yeah, and I'd rather take a stable 30 frames over 60 frames that drops down to 40 consistently. Yeah, and Neo has the choice between the two. So it's like, okay, I'll just pick the 60. I don't care. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's actually the best way to do it. Give us both. There you go. There you go. Right. And they're doing they're doing that a lot more with the newer consoles. Yeah, they actually something. should do that a lot. They did that on the Last of Us for PlayStation Four. Oh, they upgrade. Yeah, for because I think it ran in thirty on the PlayStation Three, and then on the PlayStation Four, it gave you the option to play in thirty or play in sixty. Huh. Weird. But I think in sixty, you kind of get some weird motion blur. I think when you turn. Yeah, because, you know, some games just aren't designed for that frame rate, right, yeah. when they fix them. Yeah. Like Dark Souls, they you could you could up it to 60 on the original Prepare to Die edition, but, like, weird, goofy things would happen. Like, yeah. the game and, logic would break. And even in the guide that tells you how to set it up says to set it to 59 frames, because at 60, things go weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it's it's not set up for it. Like, hit detection gets off, and you could actually slide down a ladder and slide through the world. <laughs> <laughs> You're going too fast. Stop. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, maybe on Dark Souls. Yeah. But, like, uh, I, you know, the Switch is really cool. So, for anyone who's curious yeah. how I feel now, now they own one. Well, so it seems like we're probably getting to the end here. Yeah. So, how about we end on a good note? Okay. Good note. All right. So. What are you playing at the moment? I know you just said I am Setsuna, but what are you playing right now? I didn't now? really play it that much. I played it for like an hour. <laughs> and then you went back to Hyrule Warriors? Uh, yeah, and like World of Warcraft and Hearthstone. <laughs> Mostly did Hearthstone. Play, did you play World of Warcraft on your cruise? No, I did not. There's too much data. But uh, you can play Hearthstone on a cruise ship. Hmm. But I, I didn't have my tablet. I, didn't, I wanted to play Switch games for once. No internet. I was good. So did you sit out on the deck of the cruise with your Switch playing Hyrule Warriors? No, I sat in my room playing Hyrule Warriors. That's the best way to spend the a cruise. The best way to spend your cruise is to sit in like a 55-degree uh, ship cabin playing Hyrule Warriors. It was 55 degrees in your cabin? Yeah, I mean, the air conditioning was so good. That That's ridiculously cold. Did yes. you have a hoodie on? No, 
I am hot all the time. So <laughs> I was just wonderful. You just sit there for like an hour. I just like run through a couple adventure mode challenges and it'd be like, ah, oh. if I start needing to feel chilled at home, I turn it down to 68, but 55. Oh my yeah. goodness, dude. You sleep good at 55 degrees. <laughs> I don't know. I'd need some more blankets. And my cabin mate wanted it to be 55. So there you go. Who, who was your cabin mate? My brother. <laughs> Felt like 55 anyway. You just like turn the knob all the way to cold. That's it. <laughs> okay, so since you've been playing many hours yeah. of Hyrule Warriors, and played what's at least on, what's at least on your next to play list? I don't know. I guess uh, what's today? The 12th. My tomorrow's my birthday. So. Oh yeah, happy birthday. Thank you. Uh, I might play Octopath Traveler when it comes to my house. Is that? Is that your, your birthday present, or did you just order it just to order it? That is my birthday present. Nice. Collector's edition? Well, I saw, like, the reviews were pretty glowing. Oh, yeah. Not that I believe all the reviews, but I'm saying it looked like a game I would play. It's supposed to be old school, but with new school flair. Yeah, and it basically looks like some guys from Bravely Default and Saga kind of had a baby. And do you I'm like into. both those games? <laughs> um, Bravely Default's pretty good. Uh, saga games I can't complete because they feel like uh, some kind of arcane alien from a future dimension designed them sometimes. I don't think I've ever played a saga game. Uh, they're interesting. <laughs> I wouldn't Let's, say they're all good. Is this on Romancing the Three Kingdoms? No, no. This is like a totally separate thing. It's like, um, I'll give you the short history version. There's a guy named uh, Akatoshi Kawazu. He was given the directorial duties for Final Fantasy II. Not to the American version, but to the actual Final Fantasy II. Okay. The NES. So he made this game, and it was really weird. The only huh. way to level up things was to do things. So, like, if you take hits in battle, you get more hit points. Or, like, if you use spells more, you get better oh. spells. I you I remember this because I watched my wife play Final Fantasy 2 recently. Yeah, and this game and, is horrific. Yeah, so yeah, to get more hit points, you had to sit there and take damage and everything. And for some reason, because her brother taught her how to do this because they were doing it for their podcast, they were going to do a review on it. <laughs> and she never used weapons. They always used their fists because I guess their fists are like the best weapons in the game. So they're just walking around punching everything. Yeah, because you could just level them up. You just keep hitting each other for an entire battle, right? Yeah. Also, you could hit yourself. Yeah, and get levels up. Yeah, really <laughs> weird system. Yeah, and so um, he's known for weird game systems that are either counterintuitive or dense or are more like uh, pen and paper RPG systems than normal JRPGs are. And so uh, Square Enix after, well, not Square Enix, Squaresoft back then, after he made Final Fantasy II, they are like, I don't know if this is the actual conversation, but that happened. But they were like, hey, you can't let this guy make any more Final Fantasy games. They're weird. <laughs> and They're weird. They said, you know, hey, give him his own game series. We're going to make some Game Boy JRPGs. You go let him make those. And he's like, and Kawaza's like, okay, I'm going to put my weird thing and I'm going to put it on Game Boy. That's how Saga was born. <laughs> and Saga, also. yeah. And the first game, I think you killed uh, the god of the universe at the end of the first Saga game, so... And you can recruit monsters and mutants, and the monsters can change when they eat meat. They change into different monsters. And, uh, That's weird. Yeah, and you have like limited uses of weapons for that whole game. So My like, it's, it's just it's so bizarre. They're like not bad. They're just weird. Well, and they're mostly defined by the fact that you can kind of do whatever you want, and they're very non-linear. So, were you aware that he came back to Final Fantasy though? Yeah, he's kind of like a producer. And yeah, he, occasionally you can see his touches in some strange elements of games. Yeah, he came back to produce 12 as the executive producer. Yeah, which explains the, the <laughs> weird, dumb things in that game. The weird, dumb things. Yeah, like how to get the Zodiac Spear. You can go look that up yourselves, folks. It's stupid. <laughs> I think they probably fixed that in the re-release, right? The remaster? I don't think they did. I think it, it's, uh, it's you have to play a timed run through a game. You have to play a time run through the entire game. I think it's like for 10 hours. And it's in a specific chest. And there are other chests in the game that if you open them, the Zodiac Spear will not appear in the chest at the end of the game. And there's absolutely no way to tell 
which chests are the chests that are the ones that you're not supposed to open. What? <laughs> I am not kidding you. I am a hundred percent serious. Anyway, that's those are that's a that's a Kawazu trademark. I am gonna have possibly to have known affect things that happen in the future because in his world probabilities like dice rolls and a you know d20 dice should determine how jrpg <laughs> battles are fought man i am gonna have to look this up now yeah it's uh quirky and fascinating to play in a kawazu game and some of them are outright terrible and some of them are so dense that i don't even know how human beings can play them <laughs> i think it's good he has like this weird oh. element of gambling in all these systems right here here you go so this is a rant. When, to, when, when talking about the re-release, it's like Final Fantasy XII aficionados no doubt remember the Zodiac Spear, an ultra-powerful weapon that you get only if you inexplicably decide not to open certain treasure chests. <laughs> In the Zodiac Age, you don't have to worry about the chest. You can get the spear regardless. <laughs> oh, well, they fixed it. They huh. did. There you go. But see I, see, I told you. I read that from a Kotaku article. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, but no, that's that's the kind of thing he likes to do, right? Like dense layered secrets that like if you didn't either play the game before or if you're not really invested in the systems, you will never find this stuff. Dude, that's very Dark Souls. Yeah, it is kind of Dark Souls, but like in a really annoying way. Yeah. He's the producer of a bunch of games. Sometimes he directs games, but uh, yeah, they're weird. And that's kind of what Octopath Traveler's a bit like because it starts very romancing saga-ish, which is like you pick one character out of these eight and then you could go through their story, and then you can recruit the other characters. And they're all really not really interrelated at all. They're just kind of like a cast of characters that you pick up over time. Yeah. And one character is always in your group, which is your main character. But like the, it's more like a series of um, self-contained vignettes than it is like a overarching narrative thing. And really, really long. <laughs> yeah, vignettes. and really long. And then sometimes really dense, and these battle systems are all about like get educated guesses in really knowing how it works inside and out because you can't out level stuff. Everything I, levels up with you. I thought I saw that there was about fifty hours or so. This could be wrong. This was me like skimming through a review. Like it was about fifty hours for a playthrough, and that was just a, you know. And they still need to go back and do the other characters. My goodness, that's crazy. And I guess yeah, there's still some like end level bosses that even after beating the game that people couldn't beat because they're still like too low level and yeah and there's also some rampant speculation that after you beat the quests of all the eight characters that there's actually a ninth overarching one that links all the stuff together but apparently nobody has found it oh my yeah but it's... like people are like complaining because they they're like the game just ends what where's the overarching story and of course because it's like a Kawazu inspired game, it wouldn't even surprise me. Yeah, I saw that too. Is that a lot of the st- like character, like intertwining, is not really there. <laughs> yeah, but it, you know, it probably is there. It's just that it's locked behind some kind of arcane unlocking method, which was true of <laughs> Bravely Default and Second and all these other games. Kawazu inspired games. I mean, like, um, have you ever played Final Fantasy IV Warriors of Light? No. Wasn't that the DS game? Yeah, it's uh, similar, right? Um, you don't you control people in your party, but you don't really control them in battles. You just kind of give them general directions as to what to do. Huh? It's based on like their character class and some other factors, right? But like you don't actually you don't have direct commands of the characters; they just do stuff on their own. It's it's very strange. And, and none of this is bad. I'm not saying any of this is bad. This is my weird rant about Saga. But, yeah. But uh, it's, it's different. And people who don't understand that always seem to review these games weirdly. But this Wait. one seems like people like it. Wait, and Bravely Default is a sequel to that? Uh, kind of a pseudo-sequel? Same development team, far as I know. A follow-up game? That's weird. There's some, <laughs> there's some weird stuff out there. Yeah, there is. Huh. But yeah, wow, I got really off track with this thing, huh? You did. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Octopath, that's what Zach's going to be playing next. Check uh, it out, hopefully. people. Or I'll just end up playing Hyrule Warriors some more, because I like it. Uh, nothing wrong with that. No, nothing. It, it's Zelda. We can't hate Nintendo. What are you playing, anyway? <laughs> what am I playing? Anything? Uh, 
I'm going through the Dark Souls remaster when I when the when the settings are right, when I'm not too tired, it's not like late at night and I'm not gonna be going to sleep soon. Yeah, the, um, the perfect is the enemy of the good. <laughs> yeah. It's it's kinda hard to play Dark Souls if you're gonna be going to bed in a little bit. Like that's not the game you want to play before bed. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like you gotta feed the baby and then see if he's yeah. trying to like slash you to death. Yeah. See, and that's at least the fun <laughs> part is I've I've seen like the original Dark Souls has probably been the most spoiled game for me because by the time I played everything, two was spoiled, three was kind of mo- three was new for me to like go through and like see stuff as it was coming out and everything. And yeah. I still had to look some stuff up because it's hard to play a Souls game without looking anything up. <laughs> yeah, like if you do, you won't find stuff. Like yeah. how I don't even know how I'd find Dragon Shrine right if I didn't know where to sit. Yeah, like that's just that's just not gonna happen. Spoilers. Yeah, yeah. Spoilers for what three year old game? It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Everybody knows about the boss that's there anyways because he's been hi- hyped up to yeah all belief. You can't even get stuff blind anymore anyway. Yeah. So before I even like got even like a quarter of the way probably through like any of my Dark Souls playthroughs because this is my third time I think starting the game. Third time, man. I started once on Xbox and then I gave that copy away to a friend because I got the PC version and the PC version was okay. And then I got the remastered and I'm farther now than I've ever been playing, but I still know what's coming because I've seen all the speed runs and people just playing through it. So like nothing surprised me, but it's still nice to be able to actually go through and play it yeah, for myself. The challenge is still there. It is. Yeah. And actually surprisingly, from all my Dark Souls playthroughs, my Bloodborne playthrough, the game is surprisingly a lot easier now. <laughs> yeah, it it should be if you've played the any of the other ones, right? It's always the first one is the hardest, and then yeah, and of, of course the first one that I played and beat all the way through was Dark Souls Two, which was the weird one. So I started with the weird one before getting to the better ones. <laughs> hey, you know that it's actually not that bad, really. No, it's a good game, yeah, and I, I'll still defend it as a good game. Is it a good Dark Souls game? Uh, uh, you know, it could really use a remaster. It, it already got one. Yeah, it's not really a remaster. That's oh. like, uh, hey, let's let's like triple the enemy count in weird areas and then uh, make people angry. Kind of. Thing. See, but a lot of people actually thought Scholar was the better version, though. It's kind of the better version. So, I don't know. I didn't play vanilla because I've heard vanilla is very easy. So, I liked Scholar version more. I'll say that first. The Scholar version kind of adds enemies and it puts specific enemies into lore-appropriate spots, whereas they weren't in the first game. Like, like which ones? Like, I can't Yeah. Well, the remember Hyde any Knights, of these. right? They're, are actually in Hyde's Tower of Flame. Yeah. I mean, it's like, that makes sense. Where were they in the beginning? The, like, the original then i think there's a couple in forest of fallen giants they're kind of like scattered all around the well because there there used to be a hide night around like the that first tree that you meet with all the hollows around it i don't think he's even there anymore he's not there anymore no but he used to be yeah and they it's there's more interesting enemy placements here and there but sometimes it's just like oh you know well i just throw 12 enemies at you and you uh you deal with this (laughs) <laughs> yeah and in, in a very not fun way yeah but then the game was weird and you could deal with it 10 or 15 times and then they wouldn't respond <laughs> yeah that see what i mean it's just a very strange game and and then the lighting thing they really should have just fixed the graphics that was really what they needed to do which is just make it so all the textures are dark and we have to use torches because it clearly yeah. was designed for the torch thing but no still a good game so if you like dark souls and you haven't played dark souls 2 yeah. It's still a good game. The DLC is the best part. Yeah, and I still have to finish the DLC. DLC is the best part. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'll try to finish it at some point. I'll finish one first. I'm actually really enjoying one. Yeah, one is really good. But I know some people really don't think it's not that great anymore. I, I think three is probably my favorite. Yeah, I can see that. Three is like the most refined. It is. I think it... Three is the best playing one, and I think three has the best bosses in the series. Not saying like that one doesn't have any good bosses because it does, but I think as an overall game, 
it has the best bosses in its bundle. <laughs> yeah, and uh, some of the bosses in two, one Dark Souls one are more like puzzle bosses. You'll see what I mean, right? You've probably already seen this, right? They're not like directly like, oh, circle strafe here and like dodge this and specific timing. Sometimes they're like, oh, uh, hit this thing, right? <laughs> oh, you mean like Seath? Yeah, and there's uh, some other ones like this too. Man, now I'm trying to think. I'm sure we'll get to it after we get yeah, the podcast Capra off. Demon, right? Oh, yeah. Capra Demon's uh, like, oh, what the heck is happening? And then eventually, it's basically a puzzle. Like how to, how to kill the dogs before the thing kills you. And there's an easy way to cheese it and yeah. just just shield and circle. <laughs> shield up the steps, yeah. drop down. And it's, that's, it's like, you know, it's still interesting, though. But it's more like Demon Souls and less like the refinement of the epic boss fight that you kind of have in Dark Souls 3, which is more like Bloodborne. Yeah. And it sucks when they toss Bloodborne bosses at you with Dark Souls movement that you have. You're yeah. limited by Dark Souls system, but they're not. Yeah, that, that part is kind of weird sometimes and doesn't quite work. <laughs> it is, but some of the better boss battles that they've had kind of had that system. Yeah. But. I don't even think Bloodborne bosses sometimes, they, they don't work. But I think the games are intentionally designed so you can unlock the camera and not always have to have the camera locked on to the boss. Yes. So, Mo yeah, but most people don't think that's the way it's supposed to be done. So when the boss flails around and the camera flails around, they're like, Oh, the camera is bad. Yeah. It <laughs> depends on which boss you're playing. What? Yeah. Uh, other than that, I'm playing everybody's golf when I get a chance. Yeah, it's good. Oh, it's fantastic. It's so good. It is. It is such a fun, relaxing game, and it's just – this is the first Hot Shots game I've actually owned, too. Yeah, it's probably the best one that i played so far. Yeah, it's – you know, we now that you're back, we really need to uh, – Yeah, play online. We do. Yes. Because I got another year of PlayStation Plus, so I'm happy. As did I, unintentionally. <laughs> and <laughs> I then, saw it on my email. <laughs> good job. Good job. I did a great job. So other than that, nothing really too much. I did start playing Valkyria Chronicles Revol or Valkyria Revolution or whatever it was the other day because I needed a JRPG itch. Yeah, aren't you pretty far in that though? That one, not really. It's it's taken a little while. Yeah, like it's, all JRPGs. Yeah. It's not it's not bad. I will say if you're looking for obviously if you're looking for regular Valkyria Chronicles gameplay, obviously this is not it. Yeah, wait till the fall. Oh yeah, uh, I already got that pre-ordered. I'm I'm totes excited. Yeah, it's supposed to be just like the other ones, right? Yeah. Not a weird spin-off thing. No, this one's actually going to be like the old, the old school like Valkyria Chronicles one, two, and three. Yeah, well, sign me but, up. Yeah, but this game is. I think even when I tried telling it to you, it's a very middle-of-the-road JRPG, which, surprisingly, I like. I like a lot of, like, the, like JRPGs are, like, the best games to have, like, middle-of-the-road that you can still get enjoyment out of. Yeah, you like the, uh, I think mediocre is probably the wrong word, but I think, um, um, what do you call it? Uh, not typical. What's, what's the better way to put this? Stereotypical oh. is not the right way either. Uh, it's the uh, classic, classic JRPG formula games, like yes. Tales. Oh man, I love Tales. Like a band of adventurers coming together, right? Yes. And meet each other and form relationships and stop a greater evil, and everybody's friends at the end. Yes, and I like anime. Like I like my JRPGs to kind of be like an anime. Yeah, playable so, anime. Playable anime, and Tales does that really well. It's yeah. not breaking the mold for storylines. It falls into tropes, so if you have problems with the anime tropes, you are not going to like those games. But they're very fun and relaxing and just easy to get into. Yeah, tropes are good, right? It's the same reason yeah. why people like watch Star Wars and or watch every Marvel movie, because they almost all follow the same formula. Yeah. Because people like the familiar. They like familiar characters. They like the same things. And some that they like a little bit different. Yeah. Not too different. Like, I was debating on doing a video on Tales of Asperia here soon because oh, the, yeah, the... Remaster. The, the Definitive Edition. Remaster. Yeah, Remaster. <laughs> that is now my number one game of the year already. Like, the number one game I'm looking forward to. 
It's like a port of the PS3 version, which never came out here, right? It did not come here. So we are getting the DLC that they had because over there it had you could play as Flynn and the Pirate Girl, and there's some new story stuff. Yeah. I, so that's that's awesome right there. I would be tempted, but I think I played my Phil Vesperia <laughs> already. See, I played, I think it took me like 60 hours or something to beat the it's main long. game. I played the entire game co-op, so. But it's Thank so good. <laughs> yeah. It's so good, though. It is good. It's probably the like, best Tales game I played. It's my favorite, my favorite Tales game and probably my favorite RPG ever. <laughs> You know, honestly, it's not even a bad pick. I give it a thumbs up. And I'm really excited for it. And one of the things I was probably going to talk about was like, you know, I like the story. I mean, you got Troy Baker in there. It looks like you're playing an anime. And that's why I started playing. I was like, oh, it looks like an anime I can play. Yeah. But, it, you know, it has all those tropes. It has, you know, you're the good guy who kind of has like the rough past and everything like that. He's like. You know, he's like the Han Solo. <laughs> you know, he did some bad things, or kind of like the smuggler guy who can do some bad things, but he's the good guy. Yeah, the the it, charming rogue slash ruffian character. Yeah, you're gonna have young annoying kid. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna have the naive female character, yeah, bratty girl magician. Yeah, you got you got yeah the bratty the bratty girl magician. Old read thirty five year old guy. Yeah, who, who's disgruntled? He he's he's not only disgruntled. He's you know he could. You also run into the the bad guy that you think's actually a bad guy, but then turns out to actually not be bad. You know, uh, weird alien esque girl from foreign race of people slash planet slash whatever. You talking about Judith? There's always a weird one. Close enough. You're talking about the sexy one, right? Oh yeah, she's got the sexy claws. I forgot. Yeah. yeah, but and uh, yeah, I've just Tales of Graces was the one that came to mind first. But oh yeah, you're talking about Sophie. Uh, but it's is close that Mila? anyway. She's like an alien creature or yeah. android from a different planet. Anyway, I don't even want to talk about that stupid plot. <laughs> hey, that was a good game too. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, I you know also Tales games will kick your butt if you play on anything higher than normal. Yes. Have or, fun ramming your head against a boss for like three hours. Or you could do like I did, and I looked up something in the guide for Vesperia to get their special weapons, and I did, but I didn't read it all the way through, and by getting all my character special weapons, added a third form to the final boss. Good job. (laughs) And the thing that sucks about the boss is every form he does, he jumps up in level. So by the time he got to his third form, he was about 20 to 25 or 30 levels higher than me. Oh. Yeah. So... At that point in time, I wasn't going to grind out that many levels. I dropped the battle system down to easy, and it still took a while to work them down. Good job. Yeah. Uh, I think I also played most of the game without uh, equipping any of my uh, like bonus stats that you unlock. Oh, goodness. Well, oh, the, the I, idols, I, perks thing? I'm Yeah, I messed up that system. Is this Graces or is – yes, right? Vesperia. This is, oh, and Vesperia has the titles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If Vesperia, no, Vesperia doesn't have titles. It has the. What are they called? Oh, because you unlock battle system names are the worst. Yeah, because you unlock the stuff from using your weapons and stuff like that, and you unlock their skills and perks, and you can only equip so much because you got so many points. Yeah, I totally remember this system, but I cannot for the life of me remember what it's called. Oh man, I don't remember now. Anyway, it's cool and it's good. Yes, (laughs) it's going to be a good game, and I look to do something about it. And it's coming out on Switch. There you go. So good. That's pretty cool, too. So, yeah, that's what I'm playing. All right. We've talked about what we're playing. We talked about theology gaming. We talked about all this stuff. Any last words? Um, be sure to check out the Theology Gaming Facebook group. Yeah, and the website sometimes. Yes, where this is actually going to be uploaded to. Yes, we're going to upload it there. We're going to put this on... Uh, the iTunes and the interwebs and there'll be download links and it'll be just amazing yes <laughs> like share and subscribe like share subscribe um, tell your friends tell your folks yeah. tell your neighbors tell the strangers on the street yeah and we know that this is a reboot podcast but if you're in the group and you're listening tell us what you want us to talk about the remaster yeah the remaster 
60 frames a second. Yeah. This is the 60 frames per second version of Theology Game Podcast. Yeah. 1080p in some areas and 720 in others. Yeah. Variable frame rate, actually. (laughs) Yeah. We won't talk about that. It's not actually 60. And loot crates. We got loot crates now. Yeah, we got so many loot crates. You you just put money in it. You get new costumes. Yes. And presents. (laughs) And guns, maybe. I don't know about guns. No, guns. Not for sure. (laughs) (laughs) On that note. On that note, yes. (laughs) Everyone take care. Take care. Bye-bye.